I'm recording. Make sure everyone's echo is off. <laughs> All right. My echo is nowhere to be heard. Part of me wants Ryan to just turn that on every now and then, just to, <laughs> just for old time's sakes. Just for effect. Yeah. This take is from Beyond the Grave. <laughs> 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 Hey everybody, welcome to ExoSquad Goals, the ExoSquad Cast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Harvey. And I'm Chris Farentino. And on this podcast, in case you haven't heard it before, we talk about ExoSquad, the 1993, 94, 95 series. It's not one of those really terrifically mislabeled podcasts. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we, we use the word... This is about Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> and her the, love of mechanized <laughs> battle suits. <laughs> the Taylor Swift-o cast, or... Exo Taylor Swift cast podcast. The uh, uh, if Taylor Swift wants to be in our podcast, uh, go for it. Uh, she if she wants to be in our squad, she can be in our squad. Yeah, you can. She can. Yeah, we can. Her squad can be Exo. Yeah, yeah. She, we'll shake it off for her. Fuck. I I, I definitely see <laughs> CT Swift as like a um. You know that scout frame Nara uses uh like in the with so the jump troops yeah yeah i feel like that's her frame yeah no like the cool colors it's like very mobile so she can dance in it yeah no definitely you know yeah i mean i'm more of a Nicki minaj person myself but i you do. know she Nicki yeah. minaj definitely rules you gotta no pick one. one yeah you can't be both this in this culture you can't have more than one all right of, of a similar thing <laughs> and speaking of things that are similar <laughs> this episode <laughs> episode 11 the brood which is part two of the, the brood into the heart of darkness the brood things are uh building up towards a season one ending it seems yeah definitely and this is an because we've had a couple of requests to go into this a little bit more but this was directed by graham morris who to take the suspense out of it directed 52 episodes of Exo Squad, so it's a pretty consistent part of the show, which is nice because you get that guiding hand. But it was also written by Jeff Siegel, who is just a creator of the show, had a hand in everything, and Stephen Levi. Now, Stephen Levi is best known for three things. Uh-oh. One, two episodes of Exo Squad. Two, he wrote an episode of Bonkers, the uh, cartoon show about the, oh, dude, the cartoon cat. crime-solving cat. Bonkers! <laughs> Yes, yeah. that show rules. You're fed with the cartoon cat. <laughs> yeah, when you're caught in a trap, ready to snap, it's bonkers. Um, and the third thing is that he wrote five episodes of the Goof Troop cartoon. Nice. So nice. You know, I didn't watch Goof Troop. I watched Bonkers. Weirdly, I definitely. I don't even know. I definitely watched Goof Troop. It was like a, a gritty reboot of Goofy. I was into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure the uh, the gr- the gritty crime of a pizza, the action. <laughs> And and a goof would have it, where pretty hard hardcore, you know, uh, crime stories. Uh, the names, stories. the names of like children's cartoon shows are the best. Just just to put it in contrast, like a pizza, the action's a goof troop show. Seems like old tunes is bonkers, and then the, his two Exo Squad ones are the Brood into the Heart of Darkness two and the Greatest Fear. <laughs> so. Kind of sets the stage, but we're yeah. both both sides of the spectrum, right? I mean, this is a huge episode, guys. Like, just to get out right off the bat, like, what'd you think of it? Uh, I really liked it. It was dumb. Uh, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, this is another one that I have like memories of, like as a kid. 
Uh, specifically, the uh, the death of Captain Marcus. Um, Spoiler alert. Again, if you're listening to this podcast, why would you do that without watching the show? But definitely yeah. watch the show first. I was being I was being, I was being ironic. I, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever, man. Just five star review. I don't. You can watch it. Listen to it whenever, man. It's Four not my... stars. They don't do it in order all the time. <laughs> Four stars. They don't I, actually show the show. They just talk about it. I, I I really want there to be someone mad that it's not just us summarizing, like cliff noting Exo Squad. Like if you're at a party and it's like, oh yeah, episode eleven, the Brood. Ah, the episode where JT Marsh and the and uh, and uh, the Able Squad are stuck on Mars. Meanwhile, Captain Mark. Yeah, no, it it's it is funny. There actually been. I know, particularly among Star or Star Trek podcasts, there will be people who will get pissed off if a car, if, uh, if a pod doesn't go into like the super technical details of the episode. If they like just skim through the plot, what do you mean, like how the transporter works? Yeah, they'll be like, <laughs> well, you know, they didn't reroute the uh, nano fuel cells to the you know, gyrotosphere. They actually did it this way, and I'll be like, I mean, that you know, you don't need to know all the technical stuff. You could just be like, Jordy did some stuff, and then. The Klingons exploded, but like, like you can watch the episode. Like, yeah, they're all on, they're all on Netflix, man. Like, yeah, come on. Like, like, like I, yeah, like you can just you can watch the TV show. It's like available. No one's stopping. Like, is it is it fun <laughs> for people still? If you're that detail oriented, is that fun or is it just obsess- obsessive? I think yes and yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, I think I definitely like see the appeal of being like not. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I understand why people. <laughs> I I understand what would cause a person to like live a franchise like that, like vicariously. I mean, I think that's actually one of the more fun things about Exo Squad is that it came out at that time. It came out and ended before the internet, like, was the biggest thing in the world. So a lot of like the lore and stuff kind of just comes from you know the cards that would come with like the uh, the toys and you know just sort of that ephemera you know it's not like this super fleshed out thing and they had a comic book i guess but there was one issue yeah Yeah. it wasn't you could you had a little imagination yeah right because because that was that was also the era because it's a it's also a toy franchise where like a lot of the information you got about the characters yeah was like on the box like 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 the first time i knew like what dalian's job was was because like i watched i saw like the box yeah and they they used to run those like i think maybe the first season i don't know if they kept doing it in the second but they'd run those you know jt marsh a professional soldier like 30 second things at like the end oh yeah you know and like uh like winfield narrates it right people fly in their dreams but what they're really dreaming about is freedom for jt marsh flying doesn't mean freedom yeah 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 they were kind of like very like you know on the field of battle you need a reliable soldier that's where a man like jt marsh comes in you know yeah but anyway back to the episode let's get back to the episode really quick but you know we i mean we could talk about goof troop more though but yeah save it for the goof pack save it for the goof cast (laughs) yeah goof cast quads troop cast i guess (laughs) goof guys we talk about two things goof troop and grand paltrow (laughs) (laughs) goof cast that's that's a Venn diagram I want to get to know. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Jesus. I would go host a podcast with Gwen Paltrow about Goof Troop. Just talking yeah. about Goof Troop. So, uh, Gwen Paltrow, uh, how's avocados? So, 
So tell us about clean eating and that time you were punched in the face in <laughs> Sky Captain, <laughs> The World of Tomorrow. Can we get into that a little bit? She does what get, are you feeling? She does get punched she, in Sky Captain. She gets lit up in that movie. <laughs> that movie is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. It's so weird. Oh, my God. Um, there, there's <laughs> any, I could talk about that for a long time, but I won't because no. we're on TV. Um, it's like a trope in old movies that that's how you calm down a hysterical woman. And it's the most insane thing. It's uh, it's like it's like uh, it's like dousing your face in, wa- in water to like calm down. It's like a thing they do in movies, but no one actually does it. Right. Like <laughs> it's insane, but it's like a movie trope. Yeah. Put a drunk guy in a shower or give him coffee. Then you just get a wet caffeinated drunk. We know this. Oh, Brian. Um, OK, so to the to the episode. All right. Yeah. So they're abandoned on Mars. Yes. That's where we start off with them, right? Yeah. They're uh, it actually picks up right after the other other episode ended. Pretty much. They're in the canyons running and gunning. The opening shot is pretty amazing. Uh, shout out to my man. Graham Zuzi or whatever his name was. Uh, Morris. Cracker. Graham Morris. That opening shot is amazing. It goes in through the canyon and then you see um, the E-frames flying at you, at you away from the new Sapien E-frames. It's really good. So yeah, so they're everyone but uh, Torres, uh, not Torres, but uh, Weston and Takagi are trapped you know, in a canyon uh, on Mars. Weston and Takagi are in space prison. <laughs> in space jail by Luke Besson. It's the world's most secure prison. It holds the planet's deadliest criminals. It's impenetrable because it's not on Earth. Now they're trapped <laughs> in the brig and uh, Captain Marcus is preparing the attack on Earth. This is Captain Marcus speaking. As of this moment, Exo Fleet is under my command. These extreme times require extreme measures. To save our loved ones on the home worlds, we must act immediately. Our first action will be to liberate our mother planet, Earth. This must be done immediately while the Neo Sapiens defensive graph shield is inoperative. This mission represents our only chance to save the human race. With your help, we shall be victorious. Yeah, he is going in like, you know, balls out, just like we're not planning, we're not doing anything. We're just going to steam on to Earth to liberate our home world. And you can kind of see where this is going to go. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Even Phaeton's like, this is pretty dumb. It must be some sort of a trick. Yeah, if it's a human trick. Governor General, our remote scout vessels report the Exo Fleet is leaving the Jovian moon system. Their destination? Their course is set for Earth. Earth? How foolish. They are trying to liberate the Terrans. I expected more of Admiral Winfield. Hmm, the Exo Fleet is too weak to win a battle against our combined forces. Unless this is some sort of Terran trick, they are playing right into my hands. Yeah, that that's actually one of my favorite parts of the episode is when they when they sort of see that the fleet start going and he's just like they're like, Phaeton, this is happening. It's like, nah, nah, dog. No one's that stupid. But somebody said, it's like Typhonish or someone says, it's just like Phaeton foretold. Um, <laughs> but he just saw it on the radar. I don't know. Like, it's not. Yeah. yeah, he's not. It's not like he's a, you know, psychic looking, getting taken by a kraken into the ocean or something like that. The Neosapien generals continue to just delight at every turn. They're like, 
they're they're such ass kissers and like but like not good at it either like they're yeah they're great sick of fancy you know what else is awesome is the are the haircuts oh my god yes of the people of the background people in the space prison um, oh my god and there's a character with a there's a dude with the mustache so, so there's like a lady with like a poofy red thing and like shades like blue blockers on and there's like a dude with like a blonde mustache who shows up in the next episode yeah. who's who has a name sandusky <laughs> yeah it's amazing he's got like a poodle a golden doodle haircut and a and like a gentleman's pirate mustache don't forget though there's also a dude with the like a gigantic super floppy baseball cap who looks like he's melting he's like kind of deformed it's yeah, awesome it's like the cast of the sandlot 20 years later <laughs> in space the space lot so yeah, so Marcus shows up in space jail and tries to get everyone to join him. And the guys with the <laughs> the hairspray face shields are behind him. <laughs> and Weston kind of cons them into you know fighting. She's gonna go fight. She wants to join the fight. And Takagi's yeah. like, no, you can't do it. But I don't know. She holds his hand and convinces him to join the fight. Fellow Exo Fleet officers, I know not all of you agree with my recent actions. I offer you a choice. Sit out the decisive battle of the war in the brig, or agree to follow my orders and join your brave comrades in the fight against the Neo-Sapiens. Uh, Captain Marcus, Trooper Takagi and I have talked it over. We feel we're both wasting time here. What? You agree with her, Admiral? What happens to me is unimportant, but the future of humanity now hangs in the balance. It is my hope that I've been mistaken and that Captain Marcus will lead the fleet to victory. He needs all the help he can get. Spread the word, Lieutenant. I will consider no one disloyal who supports Captain Marcus. And Marcus, like, gives the okay. Yeah, he's very easily convinced. Like, he's like, well... She makes up a lie. She says his brother was killed by the Neo-Sapiens. And he goes, well, good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, and, like, well, that's the thing that's kind of... I mean, not to jump too far ahead, is that when this was happening, because I haven't seen this in forever, I thought it was going to be a thing where they convince Captain Marcus, and then they go to Winfield, and they say, okay... We're going to blow the doors. We're going to take over the fleet or something like that. And then Winfield's like, nah, you should just go fight. There's like no scheme. It's just like straight up. You're, you know, it's better to fight than just die here. Yeah, I thought I thought she was I thought she was scheming as it was going on. And then I was kind of delightfully, delightfully delighted that she wasn't scheming, that she actually did just want to, you know, rather fight, stay in prison. It's kind of another interesting like uh, log in the like women having to make more complex decisions than men trope that happens in Exo Squad. Takagi, Takagi is totally just like, nope, Marcus is a bad guy. I don't care. Uh, and and Maggie's like, listen, I don't like Marcus either, but uh, yeah, this is this is the best of a bad situation. And like Winfield, who's like kind of re- is, is almost always right, is like, no, she, Maggie's right. Like she kind of like gives Maggie her blessing too, which is cool. Yeah, and don't forget that Maggie then gives Takagi a little peck on the cheek. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he and he's into it. Yeah, he's it. mad into it. His like, I think his face gets super red, and he starts sweating a lot. It's like he doesn't know what that is, but he likes it. Yeah, <laughs> like being raised in space, he's like, "What, Admiral Winfield? I don't get it. I, my my flight suit's extra tight. I don't understand." He like calls her old at certain points too. So there's like a little uh, yeah May December thing going. Here. Takagi represents like he's the stand-in. He's the replacement for like the child character, like the POV character in most cartoon shows. Like even though he's like. 20 so like he, he he's got a man's body ryan yeah so he's, he's but he but he t- like he's like the, he's like the kid brother right yeah exactly and he 
And he's he's kick clap kicker. Yeah, totally. And he's like still development at that age where he has like a crush on every girl. When Maggie like kisses him on the cheek, he's like, I guess we're dating now. Like we're we're going steady. <laughs> yeah. This is my girlfriend, Maggie. Uh <laughs> what? Dude. No. Yeah, that's gonna be confusing when everyone gets back together eventually. It's like so I th- we left, you guys hated each other. Now you're like space boning? I don't get this. <laughs> Zero G boning. Yeah. Something. The physics are a bitch. Um <laughs> so- yeah, so they're on their way to liberate Earth, and they realize that the Martian fleet is just the same size as the Earth fleet, which are both bigger than the Exo fleet. Captain Marcus, sir, there's a second fleet fast approaching on our right flank. It's the Neo's Mars fleet. It's as big as their Earth fleet. They're surrounding us, Captain Marcus. No matter, we fight. Mars fleet. Earth fleet. Attack! And like publicly known, like as soon as Marcus sees it, he's like, oh yeah, the Mars fleet. I forgot about the Mars fleet. Like, Which yeah. kind of, I mean, if you do the, uh, I guess, commutative property of Exomath is that the Venus fleet was destroyed. So they ha- sent half of the Earth fleet to Venus. So then the Earth fleet just by themselves would have been twice as large as, large as the Exo fleet plus the Mars fleet. So it'd be like 1.5 Neo-Sapien fleets. So, I mean, even if you didn't know anything he would know that the Earth fleet was going to be the biggest fleet out of all of them. So a little Scott Steiner yeah. math for the wrestling fans out there. You take your 30-30 and a third chance minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning. But then you take my 75% chance of winning, and then add 66 and two-thirds percents. I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning. The numbers don't lie. He's a bad captain. I think we can say that. (laughs) Understatement of the year. (laughs) He's like an okay captain, but he's like a terrible fleet commander, right? Like, like, like Winfield, like Winfield is like the fleet command. Like he and he and Marcus have like interesting relationship because like Marcus is the captain of the Resolute. Like he does, he only commands that one ship. And like Winfield, like is like the strategist. And Marcus, like, tries to be that, to, like, emulate uh, Winfield, and it's just, like, a disaster. Every time. What sort of, I mean, the, the greater cautionary tale is don't just leap into action without thinking about what you're doing. Right. He's all, this sort of hyper-war mentality never serves anybody. Yeah. Just randomly. You know who we haven't seen in a while is Napier. Yeah. That just occurred to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of people who like to fight. <laughs> Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he hasn't been around. Yeah, it's all been it's all been fleet stuff lately, and like yeah. not on Earth. I mean, I can think of a whole lot of characters we haven't seen in a while, like Charles McKenna. Hey, who are you, Charles McKenna? HBC News. My friends call me Charlie. I mean, oh, he's man. been a wall. He'd be <laughs> Stentor. Stentor. <laughs> I am your announcer, Stentor. Oh man. Oh man. The good old days. There are many stars in the galaxy, but there's only one, Amanda Connors. Obey! <laughs> I'd like to think he's like Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. They're like getting drunk at four in the afternoon yeah. in Burbank. <laughs> you know, you're not, so, you're not so bad for a Terran. <laughs> I don't have a drinking problem. It's the 70s. <laughs> Hey-o. Hey-o. <laughs> I can still perform my job. I was trying to think of how like a Neo-Sapien would do that, but I was just like, I guess slower? I don't know. <laughs> There's no real difference. <laughs> Hey-ho is illogical. Yeah. Hey-ho, yeah. This is an illogical noise. I refuse to make it. Who writes this stuff? So, yeah, uh, fighting without thinking about the consequences, bad. Yeah. Although his death does absolutely kick so much ass. Yeah, so he does. So they're losing the battle. There's like a 
rescue pod that's ejaculated out of the back of the <laughs> resolute with Winfield on it. And Marcus decides to go down with the ship. And Takagi shows up to try to save him, to try to get him to leave. Winfield sends him. To do the old, the old you know, Simbaka, there, we can fight another day. <laughs> but uh, he missed that day at War College. So Marcus is going down with the ship. 40 degrees left rudder. <coughs> All warheads armed. Captain! No! No, get away! Not without you, sir! Admiral's orders! Get get back! As as long as the Resolute can maneuver, <coughs> she she can still fight! But Captain! Leave! Oh, this, this is still my bridge, Trooper! Go back and tell Winfield to watch! Tell him Matthew Marcus knew how to die. And that scene yeah. is just like, it's like a nightmare. He's sitting at the command console and he, he's, he's saying things like, you know, left run of 40 degrees, engines, full burn. He's got a big wooden wheel. He's, he's turning. He's like, he's holding a pistol <laughs> and his gut. So he's like, he knows he's on his way out. He shoots at Takagi to leave him to go on a suicide run. And it's just like that last shot when he gives his line, uh, you know. Let nobody else say that Captain Marcus never knew how to die. <laughs> and he blows up the ship. Rules. It's sort of ambiguous. Does he take out like one of the fleets or does he just, do they just destroy him? I think he takes out a good amount of one of the fleets, you know. He like. He like buys them time to to he like opens a hole in the fleet I think and they can get they get away. Yeah, because he he when he's going in he's saying you know he's like the engine you know engines full burn, all warheads armed so he's basically turned the ship into like a giant bomb. But yeah, man, it's like I mean it's the most southern fight and gentleman way to go out for that character. So like right. can we let's just pause here and just take a second to remember Captain Marcus. I mean, like what are you guys' favorite Captain Marcus moments from his run? Because, you know, I mean, I know this is this one right here is pretty amazing. But I mean, from this might be the only one where he's truly likable. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and he actually sort of redeem. I don't know. He redeems himself because he's got a bunch of people. Killed. Yeah, like thousands <laughs> of actually, people. It's a, it actually is sort of the br- a brave thing that he does. Everything else he does, I don't think is necessarily brave. It's yeah, kind of selfish. Although there are there are hints, right? To like. When he when he stands up to Furlong and it's like you know you can't question the admiral before immediately agreeing that they have to get rid of him, uh, <laughs> but like yeah I don't know I think for me the the great Captain Marcus moments are any time that he would like refuse to launch the E frames when he's the command <laughs> a captain in the Exo fleet like <laughs> yeah in command of an Exo carrier. Right. Right, yeah. The, the, his whole job is to move exoframes from one place to another, and he hates the exoframes. Hates it. Don't launch the fighter jets. This is an aircraft carrier. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to move in really close and then figure it out. <laughs> he seems like a character who should be like on a battlefield and not in space. Like It just seems like whoever assigned him to that part of the army screwed up to me like the, the best trait that he had was i think it's like in one of the first episodes where like mckenna just like oh you know what's going on here and he's just like get this guy off my bridge he also had that attack dog kind of feel to him you know he's the guy that you know you say kill that and he's perfect at that but as soon as he got put out of his element he just he was uh he's like shitty shane he can't live in the world that he's kind of created you know yeah right. see see i actually i don't know i i have a soft spot in my heart for captain marcus because like i always read it as like 
he's really loyal to Winfield until he like, betrays him. He's like he's like Winfield's guy because he's the guy that Winfield picked to command the Resolute, and he seems like kind of loyal to him. So like. I don't know. I always thought there was something weird between him and like him being jealous of Marsh being like the favorite. Yeah, he was like the new hotness. Yeah. And he was old and busted. Old and busted. Well, there's this sort of thing, right, which is we live in a day and age where um, real generals are probably fairly level headed and really understand the nature of war. But the whole point of civilian leadership is is to caution against generals who will want to use military might to solve problems instead of political means. Right. So. He kind of represents the guy who wants to use the army to to solve problems, and but he has such a narrow focus of what that is that he gets he gets in trouble. Like his his whole point of view is very militaristic, and it's very um, driven by like what he knows. And and Winfield is that sort of older character who needs to like take his foot off the gas and and rein him in a little bit. So this moment when he goes down with the ship, it's both driven by his sense of using the military, but it's also that sort of military code of honor. And actually, it's, it is kind of quite honorable what he does, whereas everything else he does seems misguided because of his code. There is that great moment, too, after he flies the Resolute into the Neosapien fleet, where Winfield's watching from the, uh, the portal in that like lifeboat, and he just shakes his head and he's like, Marcus, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to. You know, I'm a blunt instrument. There's only one way out of this thing. And kind of like the Simbaka thing. If he had fled, you get the sense Winfield would have been like, you didn't do that, but you're more valuable to us alive than dead. And also with a fully functional flagship. That's kind of nice, too. But like there's 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 something to like the warrior code, right? Like captains go down with their ships. Like that's part of the that's what you that's what you signed up for, and Marcus isn't going to, like, I don't know. I, I, I definitely view that as, like, a redemptive moment. You don't have to understand where Captain Marcus is coming from, but you have to respect that he, like, walked the walk, right? Like, No, definitely. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, a true, it's, like, the, it's very true to his character. Yeah. If he had fled, that would have been very, like, he would have been completely irredeemable. Right. But it's, like, the same things that gets him into trouble, like, makes him do the right thing in the end. I guess what I'm saying is there's the right thing to do in the warrior code and in the moment, but there's also that, like, you know, Winfield is kind of like his father, and he knows why he did it, but he also knows that he's losing a friend, which is why I think that's, like, a really kind of quick but, like, heavy moment, you know, where it's... Definitely. You know, it, it's it's the changing of the guard. It's everything's changed. There's no going back from here. They definitely have a very close, like, a, a close relationship. Like Yeah, no, Definitely. Father son. I get the feeling though Simbaka is disappointed every time he doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wants to he we can wa- live and fight the next battle. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. If you yeah. say so. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So after the fleet's all messed up, there's some stuff that happens on Mars, right? Yeah, uh Deleon and Marsala find the brooding chamber where they <laughs> dissolve a dude because they screwed up on one of the chromosomes, twenty-fourth chromosome. Chromosome, and he just dissolves in front of them. That's kind of gross. Improving a species takes much experimentation and failure. Great sound there. Super bubbly. But yeah. then there's a, we have a bit of a turn at the end. Yeah. Marsala turns heel and freaking 
clocks Daleon in the face and he's like, guess what, sucker? I'm part of the NWO. Not really. Then he spray paints him and no, it's uh, but yeah, he doesn't want to blow up the brood center. He doesn't want to kill his brothers and sisters, you know, and that's a really relatable motivation. Do you do you buy that he's gone heel? I mean, I've watched enough pro wrestling in my day to know that once someone turns heel, they're that way forever. Right. <laughs> well, I guess I was going to say, like, I think the motivations are very well drawn out, even though, you know, we've seen enough pro wrestling to know. <laughs> yeah, I find it as believable as it can be on like a television show where the main good guys are listed like in the theme song. Like <laughs> they hint at it from the beginning, like with with the whole with him, pretty much every conversation him and Nara have. And then at the end, he's like, yeah, he gets to the, the moment of truth. And he's like, nope, like I'm not doing it. Yeah, psych. Yeah, I guess I guess that's my point. I think it's as compelling as it can be. Yeah, I, definitely. You know, it makes so it makes more sense than a lot of you know turns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't think of I can't think of one that doesn't make sense. But uh. I, but I remember being a kid and seeing you know when when this when I first saw this episode and hadn't seen the next one, I do remember being like, oh my god, I can't believe Marsala turned. You know, and then waiting till the next day and being like, oh no, it's a cartoon. I forgot. I bought his action figure. He's going to be around for a little bit at least. But they definitely sell it. Like they definitely, they definitely get it. Well, I mean, every time he says anything regarding the rebellion and how they treat New Sapiens, they make it a point to make it very real. Gary Chalk, I think is. I forget the actor's name. Um, but when he's delivering those lines, there's actually like real emotion behind it. It's like it's very weighty. So, I mean, he sells it because it's, you know, for the character, it's coming from a place of reality that he's been abused and he's seen his like friends and brothers and sisters killed and mistreated his whole life. I mean, I think that's why it works. Actually, weirdly, I have a harder time buying that he would not be a bad guy in the long run with all the bad stuff that's happened. Yeah, I don't, it's like, I don't think that they show him any more kindness or love than it seems like he would warrant. You know, they take, they very much take him for granted, I find. They're like, you're just on our side. What are you doing? How could you dare? Like, they don't understand him at all. But what he's going through is, is entirely relatable. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, again, the fact that, that they act like they've known Masala a long, long time. And they're just like, Hey, let's teach you how to play poker. Let's tell you how you know teach you how to tell jokes. And it's like you've known this guy a while, and you're you're just getting around to this shit because of circumstance, pretty much. It seems like they could have done a little bit better with him, or by him. Yeah. So so anyway, yeah. So it is very well done and very convincing. <laughs> and that's basically the end of the episode, right? Like we get the heel turn, and then uh, the credits roll with some ominous music. Yeah, things are uh, things are not looking good uh, for. For everyone involved. Yeah, freaking A. Did I just want to mention Bronski has a candy bar while they're trying to fix their E-frames in, in the canyons of Mars? Oh, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I, I like that part. Especially because they, uh, they kind of established that, uh, that, like, things would be easier if Weston was around because they're, like, not very good mechanics. Um, and, yeah, Bronski eats a candy bar while, like, fixing a war machine. And it has a great belch. Status report, Bronski. <sighs> Bad lieutenant. Uh... JT, the Neil frames have turned back. It's as quiet as a mouse out there. How quiet is a mouse? <clears throat> Quieter than that. Brodsky's voice also gets weirdly high in those scenes, too. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like, but Sarge! <laughs> he represents the pubescent audience at that time. Yeah. I also wanted to say, like, another thing with the Brood Center 
is that when they decide to like because they're on their own and they're trying to figure out a way to escape and you know do some damage they have this great shot where jt's like well we got to go locate that brood center and blow it up and it just shows a shot of like all the extra troopers being like yeah let's do it let's fuck them up oh yeah and it just shows a separate shot of marsala just looking really sad well it's like i don't they're always like marsala go go blow up the brood center uh, everyone else, we're just gonna hang out and talk about how great humans are. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, don't give him that job. Like, yeah. like it, it, it also like looking back, it says a lot about how much Captain Marcus hates JT Marsh that he's like, well, every other squad does not have a Neo Sapien, so who am I gonna send to k- kill a billion Neo Sapiens? Oh yeah, this the squad has Marsala in it. <laughs> Eat it. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we're missing here. And also, and this won't be in the episode, just burping a little bit off cat mic. Um, <laughs> that's for the, that's for the pay. That's for the Patreon people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once we set up our Patreon, you you pay an extra like five bucks a month, you'll get all the uh, the burps, the mics being knocked over, the extra echoey episode. Oh yeah. If you <laughs> woo, if you pay money for this episode, I will fart right in the microphone. <laughs> I will. For like for like three bucks a month, yeah, I do that. Whatever, get paid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Money's money, man. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> are we are we making porn now? Is that are we stripping? Like, what what have I what have I signed up to? <laughs> you guys, you guys went to like the. We got to get paid somehow. Let's make porn <laughs> really quickly. Pretty, it pretty really quickly. Pretty podcaster like you doesn't have to starve. <laughs> Really? You couldn't be a waiter? You couldn't do <laughs> <laughs> nothing? That's it. That's the one thing? You didn't want to leave your house? <laughs> yeah, it's especially seductive on an audio podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, we make such a great erotic Exo Squad podcast. <laughs> Exo Erotic Squad? JT, why don't you come here for a minute, son? <laughs> I got a special mission for you, JT Martian Able Squad. <laughs> It's not erotic at all. It's just, just it's just the same just thing. Just the voice. Yeah. yeah, same. The same plot of the episode. Everyone's Captain Marcus and everyone's horny. Welcome to Exo yep. Squad, the porn. Neo sapiens cannot have sex. Yeah. Marsala, are e frames out of juice? Well, something is full of juice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that pertains to reproduction or anything like that. But oh, that was awesome! Yeah, it, it turns out they just have a thermos full of orange juice. Okay, speaking of making money, uh, do we have any any ads that we want to throw out there? Uh, I want to shout out uh, Top Shelf Cookies. Um, it's my friend Heather's company. Uh, they do custom uh, cookies by mail. Uh, you can also sign up for monthly. Uh, it was her birthday, so uh, this is her present. Happy uh, birthday! Happy birthday! Hey, birthday. Uh, www.topshelfcookies.com. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. <laughs> what? No, 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 Ryan, say the address. Say the address again. Oh, oh. Uh, Happy birthday, Heather. No, no, sorry. <laughs> no, say it for real this time. <laughs> www.topshelfcookies.com. Awesome, and uh, and I think we have a an old callback advertiser. Sure. <laughs> well, you want to do one more? Yeah, I, I, we're not yeah. going to stop till someone buys a goddamn hat. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, tulipyladies.com. No, that's not true. Go to Etsy. <laughs> Go to Ladies. Uh, great, wonderful crocheted hats, crocheted scarves. Um, buy them. Just buy them. Just do it. 
<laughs> they're really good. They're really good. Yeah, they're really good. And they're waiting for you. We, we tweeted out the address. I mean, we are not lying. We're going to keep doing these until someone buys a goddamn hat. We will mail it to you upon receipt of payment. Yes. Look, we know it's summer now, um, or spring into summer. Like, you don't need a crocheted hat, but you will eventually. But you want one. Uh, y- yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you think you live in the desert? <laughs> You're going to let Chris tell you you can't have a hat because it's summertime? Don't do that. Yeah, that's weak. Take it. Order that hat. Yeah. Don't be a cop. <laughs> do you live in a loft in Brooklyn and you kind of paint some of the time? You can wear a crochet hat all the time. Literally all the time. All year round. Yeah, I mean, look, I just told you what to do. I mean, what would uh, what would Napier do in this case? He'd buy a hat. Crochet the hell out of that. Oh. Put some camouflage on it. Air conditioning <laughs> is a problem. Yeah, sometimes you go to bed and the AC is on and your head gets mighty cold not being under them covers. So... How do you take care of that? What if you get a bad haircut? Haircuts happen year-round. Yeah, what if you're going to be in an extra squad porn and the rest of you is naked, but, you know, a little hat on the top, no one will mind it. It's stylish. Yeah, yeah. You get a purple crocheted hat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, anything else? <laughs> what was something awesome you saw this week? Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. Oh, dude. Uh, so I was walking home from work and uh, I watched a dude on his a dude on a bike pop a wheelie and go straight up and down and just like roll there. It was the coolest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen in my life. That's fucking sick. It was so it was so rad. Uh, for me, I think the coolest thing I saw was the goalie Carey Price of the Montreal Canadiens. We all know who he is. Chris. Well, I mean, you know, we're all nerdlingers here. I'm pushing up my glasses. <laughs> um, he threw a puck over the glass for this like little girl. I think it was. And this, like, bro lunged over and grabbed it. And he just stood there and stared this guy down until he sheepishly gave it back to the little kid. And I was like, I'm like that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. Although although I do really deeply love dudes who are willing to commit, like, heinous acts to get, like, balls and pucks. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, it's it's they an are... incredibly public act <laughs> right? of just douchebaggery. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, what, what blows my mind, too, is, like, is, like, for most of those people, right, That'll be the only time they're in front of millions of people. <laughs> like, your one, your one act is, like, shoving, like, a kid to the ground and like, grabbing a baseball. Like, it's like, millions of people know you for just that. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a, hell, of a hell of a first impression. You only got one shot yeah. to shine. Yeah. Mom's spaghetti. What do you got, look- Chris? <laughs> you know, I asked, but there's this uh, really great Pepsi commercial that came out where uh, Kendall Jenner saves uh, America and the world. It's really good. <laughs> it's really thoughtful and deep. And I learned who Kendall Jenner was. Yeah, I haven't actually even, even been able to see it because, like, I guess they pulled it before I found out about it this week. So. Oh, man, it's 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 so good. I, it's it's so real. It's so good. <laughs> Um, so beautiful so real yeah there's yeah don't piss off the internet yeah right geez we learned that the hard way four stars don't make a commercial where cola solves racism like that's also an option yeah look if crash (laughs) couldn't do it what will yeah (laughs) if jolt if jolt cola hasn't solved the problem yet i'm out of ideas (laughs) exo squad will be back in a moment hey everybody it's chris here i just want to jump in for a second and say thanks again for listening uh if you can hit us up on itunes and Give us a written review. That would help so, so, so much. But it's kind of like the big thing that like gets more eyes and more ears on this podcast. I mean, I guess the ears are the important part. Uh, or leave a star review, anything like that. Basically, we just want to get more word of mouth going for this guy. Uh, we don't advertise. 
even though we give shout outs to people we like. Like our good friend Josh Gee, he has a food newsletter that goes out every Friday afternoon. So if you live in New York, Los Angeles, Boston, Chicago, or DC, check it out. It's really good. I live in DC. He was telling me about things that I didn't even know about in my backyard. You can find it at bit.ly slash snackcart. That's bit.ly slash snackcart. Thanks again for listening, guys. Again, you can find us at exosquadgoals on Twitter. Use the hashtag exosquadgoals or email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com. Uh, always great to hear from you. Hopefully we can uh, get some good questions and topics for that end of season one episode that we're planning on doing. Uh, we're trying to line up some stuff, some surprises for that. Uh, thanks again for listening and uh, back to the show. Now back to Exosquad. Um, okay, guys, do you guys have an MVP for this episode? Uh, I gotta give it up to Captain Marcus. Uh, first of all, flawless, flawless performance from the uh, from the Georgia Razor Peach, and uh, <laughs> great, great death, great, great life, um, great, 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 uh, great part where he like, like, yeah, he's MVP is Marcus. It's it's hard not to do Marcus. He's this this is his return of the king. Like we have to give him the award for all of his past performances. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, I mean, I'm I'm going Marcus. I mean, how could you not in this case? Uh, I mean, also part of the Exo Squad porn universe is you got you got to give it to Captain Marcus. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so yeah, I, I think we got a hat trick, right? Yeah, man. First one, first unanimous decision. Right, that's crazy. Congratulations, Captain Marcus. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. Uh, shame he's not here to hear about it well let everyone is every listener on this podcast know he knew how to die i'm living in the sweet hereafter <laughs> i like an angel exo cruiser yeah <laughs> yeah little golden exo cruiser just flying around <laughs> i see them through the gates like playing the heart on the warheads thrust us to fools <laughs> form up on <laughs> form up on me well that's what's gonna happen he's gonna almost hit the gates and then he'll be like no what's happening we're losing steam and it'll be like a giant phaeton like demon head being like you're coming with me you know I think that's one of the better episodes of the whole run in my opinion like it's it's just like it's definitely build, building to a climax yeah. <laughs> which is what you find in exosquad <laughs> pornography <laughs> Audio pornography. Phaeton, what do you call this thing? I call it Olympus Mons. It's the biggest thing on Mars. <laughs> the Mars dick. It's just as big as the Earth dick. <laughs> uh, and you know what would happen? Uh, you know what Wolf Bronsky's money shot is? Just a whole lot of dumb shit. <laughs> Oh, this guy's so far off the rails. Oh, man, just wild, careen wildly out of control. Amanda, what are you doing after work tonight? Yeah. Do you want to come to my loft? <laughs> there are many stars in my bed, and the best among them is Amanda Connors. Maggie and DeLeon are getting busy in their bunk, and through the window, it's Bronski and Takagi just watching, and he's just like, Check out those moves, Bronski. <laughs> check, check those moves, Bronski. Uh, whatever, kid. Some guys need to practice. On that great note, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. As always, check out his stuff on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can think you can find us, you can find us. And it is, it would be super awesome if you guys could leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, particularly. Uh, it helps a lot. 
and yeah just we you know, particularly love four star yeah. reviews oh they're the best great reviews <laughs> that'll that'll be our primus sucks right there yep. <laughs> it'll be like yeah, I gave him a four-star review. I was the first one. They're the Coke Zero of reviews. <laughs> no, that would be the, the Coke Zero star review. Um, yeah, leave us a written <laughs> review if you can. That'd be great. Or even a, just click the star button. Any little bit helps. Just getting the word out there. You can find us on Twitter at ExosquadGoals or use the hashtag ExosquadGoals. Uh, find us at Gmail at ExosquadGoals at gmail.com. We come out with a new episode every Saturday. The next one is going to be episode 12, Betrayal. And then we're uh, heading to that season finale. And again, if you have any questions or anything you'd like to hear us discuss on our wrap-up show, send it in, let us know, and uh, we will go into it. We'll go deep and hard and just just get on in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, wow, this episode, hard-hitting. Uh, but for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farentine. Are there any heroes in this company? No, sir. No, sir. Eh. Better. We could we'll get good. there. Yeah, it was, I'll, I'll, I'll sync that one Thanks. up. Thanks. I won't. Okay. <laughs> Live with your friend. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Good catch, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for that, man. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. See if you wanted to keep doing it. No, no. I, he, here's the thing, because this is how my brain works. I, I literally, I was, I was walking over with my drink, and I'm like, oh yeah, don't forget to do the awesome thing. <laughs> and I sat down, and I'm like, hey, bullshit, porn parodies. <laughs> Whatever, man. That goes. That was gold. <laughs>